slowly, little by little, flip your page over to Nehemiah chapter 4. And so it reads, When Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring back the stones back to life? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted the guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and, and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards <clears throat> with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. So um, the theme of my sermon today is going to be Nehemiah and the Walls, Lessons for Ministry. Nehemiah and the Walls, Lessons for Ministry. Now, I think when you read this scripture, <clears throat> you're re what we're reading is basically Israel as a nation has already been pretty much destroyed. 
First, if you read the Bible, you know the northern half of Israel was destroyed. And then Judah eventually was wiped out by Babylon. And then the people, many of the people were taken to Babylon. And then after a time of exile, they were allowed to return to Jerusalem. So what we're reading in Nehemiah is uh, the Jews, and as people came back in groups and groups, they came back to, thank you, I'll need those. They came back to Jerusalem. And um, so they're trying, to re- they're trying to build this wall. And so I think, you know, when you read the scripture, you might think, well, this is a scripture that can be used in a lot of sermons and people are exhorted to build things. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to use this passage to point out a number of lessons that churches and Christians can apply to ministry. So I have a, a series of lessons. And the first is that successful ministry involves prayer. And we can see this in verses uh, 4 and 5. So in the first three verses, you know, his enemies, the enemies are trash-talking to Nehemiah in the first three verses. And so finally in verses 4 and 5, he almost in anguish he prays to God and asks God to take his foes out. It's not a gentle prayer. But that's where he's at. And I think a lot of time in ministry, we can be pushed to that point. And so at this point, we, <laughs> we get the emotion of Nehemiah. And he says, hear us, O God. He's, he's, he's crying out to God to help him. Also, if we go back to chapter 1 in Nehemiah, even before Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem, because he was the cupbearer to Artaxerxes, the king, and so he had to go ask permission to go back to Jerusalem to, to do this. So even before he approached Artaxerxes in chapter 1, we see that he prays to God, yeah. even before he approaches him. Mm-hmm. And so I think from this, we can, if we're going to do a ministry in the church, prayer has to be an essential part of it. Amen. Not only Amen. during, while we're doing our ministry, but before, <clears throat> before we start our ministry, we need to seek God in prayer. So that's the first lesson. And I think the, the other part of that first lesson, Nehemiah's prayer is not a formal prayer, but it's, 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 it's a prayer almost of anguish. So we, need to, we should be honest in our prayers with God during our ministry. If we're feeling anguish, if we're feeling uh, pushed, then that's what we need to do. That's how we need to approach God in prayer. So the second lesson is that ministry should bring glory to God. Now, Nehemiah wasn't building these walls as a vanity project. He wasn't trying to get on the cover of Architectural Digest when he did this. He was trying to build walls to help protect the people of Jerusalem. Because they had enemies on every side. And they wouldn't just, you know, knock the walls in general. It would be like a selective knocking of this, and they'll take this section down and this section down. It's a lot like when you're a kid and they hold the toy here and you reach for the toy, they pull it back. And, you know, it's that kind of thing. That's what they're undergoing. And so Nehemiah is trying to build walls to help protect the people of Jerusalem and bring them security. And again, you have to remember, they, as a nation, they've been belittled. They're, they're reduced in the eyes of other people. And this experience has dispirited them. So if they could rebuild the walls, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, the walls that stood during the days of David and Solomon, it would bring them uh, a sense of almost a restoring of a sense of pride in themselves and belief. 
And so Nehemiah is not, <clears throat> if you go back again to chapter 1, you'll have to read this. I'm not going to read every single thing. But if you read in chapter 1, during his prayer, we see that Nehemiah is praying for forgiveness. He acknowledges in chapter 1 that the Israelites have lost their way. He acknowledges, Lord, we, we've lost our way. But he also acknowledges that if we follow you, if we follow your ways, that you'll also grant us what we're asking for. So, and, and we see themes of forgiveness and restoration in bringing the people back in chapter 1. So he, he when he is uh, doing this ministry, it's not just to build walls, but it's to help bring a sense of restoration to the people there. And so in our ministries, no matter how fancy or how wonderful the goals of our ministry sound, if they don't bring glory to God, they're worthless Amen. in the eyes of God. So, if we, so that's the second lesson. The third lesson is that often ministry will face resistance from friends and foes alike. So again, if you, you look at the scripture, we, we, we saw different people being mentioned. <clears throat> Sambalot was was part of the Persian Empire. He was uh, head of the Samaritans, and he was to the north of Jerusalem. Tobiah was to the east. The Arabs, and Geshem is mentioned in Nehemiah, is to the south. And the people of Ashdod are basically the Philistines to the west. So on every side, uh, the Jews are surrounded by enemies. And often in ministries, we will also possibly be surrounded by enemies not to the extent that they were surrounded because these weren't friendly enemies they just didn't talk bad about you or you know doubted you i mean they would attack you these were these were not fun these were not fun enemies so not that enemies are ever fun but you know some people can mess with you and you just go okay whatever but these these enemies were serious and so and often, and this is not the first time they tried to rebuild the walls. Um, most historians say around 586 B.C. was when the, the end of Israel came, in terms of as a nation, as it existed. And most people would place this scripture around 445 B.C. They're, they're the scholars bicker back and forth because of the nature of the way the books are written. You don't need to understand that, but just understand there's a time gap. And that there have been previous attempts to rebuild these walls, but they were met with, it didn't, it didn't work out. And so, partly in part because of the resistance. Now, most of the people who resisted, it wasn't necessarily that they, they hated God. It was, it was more political, but they were still offering resistance. And in ministry, a lot of times, we meet resistance, and what we meet, once we meet resistance, we fold. We just, we close shop and it's over. Now, despite the fact that Nehemiah was surrounded on four sides, all sides by enemies, he was taunted openly, he still proceeded with his ministry. And so just as he soldiered on facing opposition, we should also soldier on when we face opposition. But even more interesting than than the foes, because you almost anticipate someone's not going to like you, he was also getting trouble he was also hearing it from his people, his own people. We see in verse 12, he's told tenfold, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Now, these were people who you would think would support him. And tenfold means a lot of times. That means someone keeps telling you over and over and over again. You know, I, 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 when I was 
thinking about the sermon, I was almost thinking it'd almost be like if the 49ers were playing the Cowboys and Jerry Rice runs into the huddle and he says, I'm open, I'm open a hundred times. And then finally, you know, Joe Montana says, okay, I know. Don't worry. You know, I'll, 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 I'll wait for the Cowboys to blitz me and I'll hit you for a touchdown. And that's, that's realistic, I think. But, <clears throat> but, the, <clears throat> but the point here is that Nehemiah, despite the fact he was told many, many times, even by his friends, uh, about the dangers, he still proceeded. And a lot of times, the resistance we get from the people that we think should support us can often be more dispiriting than the people that we expect not to be with us. And so I don't really have like a comforting word about that, but you just have to expect it and deal with the fact that the people who should support you sometimes will not. But Nehemiah was able to triumph in his time and we can also triumph in ours. So the fourth lesson is that ministry is not a one-person event. Now, if you look at chapter 3, the walls, there's a very extensive description of the gates and the walls. It's very involved. Um, And actually, we learn a lot about the geography of Jerusalem as it existed from that chapter. So, you know, it's not, I wouldn't, you know, probably not the most exciting chapter in a sense, but, you know, probably for someone like Deacon Allen who's into the architecture he'd probably love all those descriptions and that's how we learn a lot about the dimensions of jerusalem but the walls that he was attempting he wasn't trying to go for the original dimensions that existed in the grand days of david and solomon you know solomon had a city just for his horses so he was building some crazy stuff but nehemiah wasn't trying to do that he was just trying to get up some walls walls a modest goal and a lot of times in our ministries we're not trying to hit a home run we're just trying to do something modest for god Um, But the point here that ministry is not a one-person event. If we look in verse 9, it says, we prayed. If we look in verses 13 through 15, well, most notably verse 15, after it says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of the plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. Even though these walls weren't as big as the original walls, they were still nine feet thick. I mean... You know, if you took that and went out, I mean, these are some big walls still. Nehemiah couldn't get out a hammer and do it by himself. He needed people to help him in his ministry. And so we see when he addresses people, they're nobles, officials, rest of the people. So he had more than one person doing this. And too often in ministry, we let either the person in charge of the ministry or even the pastor do it all by themselves. And so ministry is bound to fail when it's up to one person. When we see here, it took a team effort, truly took more than one person, support for Nehemiah to make the ministry happen. So it takes more than one person. And the funny thing I see in verse 15 is that it says we all return to the wall. If they return to the wall, that means they took a break or they stopped working. So even though it may be despairing to us sometimes that we don't join in ministry the way we should, this scripture suggests that that problem existed even back then that he had to get people in line back then. So ministry is not a one-person event. It has to be more than one person doing it in order to succeed. The fifth lesson is that ministry requires dedication. We see in the scripture example after example of the dedication that Nehemiah and the people showed to the task. In verse 9, it says he prayed and posted a guard. In verse 13, he stationed soldiers 
with swords, spears, and bows. We're not talking Martin Lawrence security type stuff. Remember that movie when he, he didn't have the wet, you know, he wanted to have the gun, but he, he couldn't have it. He, these, were, these were soldiers who were stationed. They were stationed with, with full armor, full weaponry. In verse 16, they had swords, shields, bows, and armor. In verse 17, they worked with one hand and had a weapon in the other. This is serious dedication here. Verse 21, they had their spears at sunset. There are probably many of them who did whatever they had to do during the day and then joined after they had done their tasks to help build the walls. So they were, they were almost adding on to what they normally did. In verse 22, it says they worked almost as guards at night and then workmen in the day. And even the historian Josephus says that Nehemiah probably made night rounds and took breaks probably only out of necessity. So we see dedication here. And so really the question for us is how dedicated are we to ministry? How much are we willing to do to see a task accomplished? Nehemiah had to build, you know, walls up, and Jerusalem is up on a hill. He's not building on flat ground. Jerusalem is a raised city. So this is not an easy task to do. And he was dealing with with a heavy security issue with people on four sides. And he showed serious, serious dedication. So as a church, how dedicated are we? How much are we willing to do? How much are we willing to do to accomplish ministry? It takes dedication. You can't snap your fingers. Unless you have the powers of Elizabeth Montgomery, you can't twinkle your nose like in Bewitched and make it happen. It takes dedication to make ministry happen. And so then the sixth lesson is that ministry yields results. I'm going to read briefly Nehemiah chapter 6. Verses 15 and 17, and it's probably going to come up behind me too. And it says, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of the Lord. Well, I was going to read the verse 17, but 15 and 16, they, they think they do it justice. The point is, They built the walls in 52 days. For a century and a half, Jerusalem laid in ruins from the time that the nation ended. For a hundred and there have been different attempts to try and raise these walls. And Nehemiah was able to get the principal work of building the walls done in just under two months. And so the lesson that we can take from this is that ministry is not just about showing a good effort, but it should yield some type of tangible results. It should yield some tangible results. Last week, I watched the 49ers get pounded by the Seahawks. And they put up a good effort. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted a victory. (laughs) Ministry should yield results. You should see something tangible as a result of what you're doing in ministry. And then the last lesson, the seventh lesson, is that God will help you accomplish your ministry. Even in difficult times. We see, and there are two references to God working on behalf of Nehemiah. There there are numerous, but but two I really want to point out. In verse 15, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, in chapter 4, when our enemies had heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. And in verse 20, this is again Nehemiah, 
Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we see two references to God actively working on behalf of Nehemiah to accomplish ministry. When we're, when we're doing ministry, yes, truly, we have to be faithful to God and we have to seek him in prayer and, and follow his ways. But we can also be assured from this that God is also actively working on our behalf. He's not just a spectator. He's not just going to buy his ticket and eat some popcorn and watch. But when we are doing our part for ministry, God is actively working on our behalf. Just like he frustrated the efforts of the enemies back then, he can frustrate whoever is in the way of your ministry today. God actively works for you. And in our 52nd anniversary, we can see examples of where God has been faithful to Bill. Just the fact that we're here today it shows that God has actively been working and been faithful on our behalf. And like sometimes we start ministry in heaps of rubble, just like they did. But you can just be assured that if God is working for you, he can take the rubble and raise it and bring it to life. So if we apply the question for us going forward is what will we do? Will we apply the lessons from ministry and succeed? Will people be able to talk about us the way that Nehemiah was able to uh, <clears throat> record, whoever the, the person who wrote this was, was able to account for this? Or will we be a footnote, like in first in the Chronicles where it talks about the people who didn't follow God and you know they had a very uneventful time? It can be both. If we don't follow the lessons of ministry, if we don't apply what we've learned here. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we also, if we apply the lessons from this story, we can also build ministries and meet the needs of people. Yeah. And in those accomplishments, we can bring glory to God oh, yeah. and Jesus who died for us. Yeah. We can be assured that if we fight for our ministry, if we apply these lessons from ministry, that God will be ready for fight for us. And so I would just urge you today on our 52nd anniversary to follow the example of Nehemiah and apply these lessons to our ministries. Amen. Amen.